Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love Not typing. Not messing with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> she looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. Since Morgan didn't review Supergirl episodes as a full-time co-host of Supergirl Radio until World's Finest, which aired in March of 2016, so that's uh, coming up on seven years ago, uh, we are revisiting <laughs> the first season to get Morgan's thoughts. This week, we will be discussing episode 14 of season one titled Truth, Justice, and the American Way. If you are interested in listening to Supergirl Radio's original discussion from season one and our interview with Lexi Alexander, who was the director of this episode, the links are in the video description below the live stream and will be in the audio podcast show notes. So lots of Truth, Justice, and the American Way content for you. So if you are interested in this episode, we have got a lot to offer you. Well, uh, before we get into our main discussion about the episode and and, and actually go back to 2016, before we uh, get in the Legion Cruiser <laughs> and time travel, we need to get to the news. So according to Deadline.com, Sheba, a one-hour scripted drama series from Chantel Wells uh, from Yellow Jackets, Ozzy Tesfai from Supergirl, and Ryan Coogler's Proximity Media is being developed by Onyx Collective for Hulu. That is a lot of names and words. Uh, and uh, this is the <laughs> second, uh, second week in a row, I think, we talked about Yellow Jackets. I listen, the yellow jackets takeover <laughs> of this show has begun. <laughs> uh, I got really excited because I thought that Ozzy Tessai was going to be on yellow jackets and I was like, bring them all the yellow jackets. Uh, <laughs> but it's not going out that way. Uh, <laughs> Co-created by uh, Wells and Tessai and written by Wells, Sheba explores the rise to power of the first queen on the continent of Africa as she seeks to unite the nation we now know as Ethiopia, making it one of the richest, most formidable kingdoms in the world. Inspired by true events, we follow uh, Makeda into a world of danger, deceit, and political intrigue as she is forced to step into a role that no one, including her, ever imagined as the Queen of Sheba. Uh, Wells is a Emmy-nominated writer and producer, most recently on Marvel's upcoming limited series Echo for Disney+. Plus. Uh, she's also written for Showtime's Emmy-nominated drama Yellow Jackets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is about to become Yellow Jackets Radio. <laughs> yeah! Uh, for, which, <laughs> for which she was also nominated for two Writers Guild Awards. While earning her master's for writing and producing for television from Loyola Marymount University, Wells wrote an original pilot, which 
landed her the CBS Writing Fellowship and route to her first TV writing gig on uh, Jane the uh, CW's Jane the Virgin, followed by NBC's Good Girls. Uh, Tesfai uh, co-starred and wrote on CW's Supergirl as a ex-military psychologist Kelly Olsen and DC comic superhero The Guardian, uh, the first Ethiopian person to ever portray a comic superhero on screen. Tesfai previously played homicide detective Nadine Hansen in CW's Jane the Virgin. Uh, she's currently writing a pilot, The Chase, which is in development at NBC. So Ozzy Tesfai is busy. <laughs> Lots <laughs> of writing, it Lots sounds like. Lots of stuff. She's writing. She's producing. She's doing it all. It sort of seemed like Ozzy might be playing. That's kind of like the, I guess I was like reading, but I was reading between the lines and was like, oh, I, she's going to play. But it, I, I don't or think it's or she anywhere in writing. there. Because a lot of this sounded okay. like uh, Ozzy's writing. So I'm a little confused by the news. Because it says it's co-created by her and um, Wells, uh, Chantel Wells. Um, and it's written by Chantel Wells. So I wonder if she... It doesn't say she's playing the main character. It doesn't say she's playing the main character, but she is an actress. And uh, I don't know. I just kind of... I assume whenever an actress is, like, involved in a project, she's, like, gonna be in it. (laughs) I'm gonna be the star. And, like, like, if you have the chance to play the Queen of Sheba, I think you want to do that. Like you know, you know when people are like, "What are you, the Queen of Sheba?" and she could be like, "Yes, actually." <laughs> That's like when uh, Henry Cavill's uh, nephew or somebody, like his little nephew, like a little kid, like went to school and was like, "My my uncle Superman." They were like, "Come on, whatever." And he's like, no, really, my uncle is Superman. <laughs> That's so uh, good. Yeah, so that's funny stuff. So I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see where um, did did Sam trying to it's go back? Hulu, see, Hulu. Okay, so Hulu. Sheba is going to be coming to Hulu. So we'll have to keep our eye. Maybe we'll do a, a, a Sheba pilot pod. Oh, Sheba pilot pod. The nice thing about <laughs> all of these cast members doing these different shows is that we can drop in on all different like time periods. <laughs> yeah, we- there's wells that take you to the past, and then in the past we meet the Queen of Sheba, and then. That- <laughs> point we're gonna get on a bus with some journalists it's gonna be it's gonna be and then yellow jackets <laughs> and then it all comes back eventually as it should to yellow jackets <laughs> yeah so pilot pods do offer us some variety uh to mix it up and try to find uh follow the supergirl actors uh in all their various new projects that they've got going on so that's very exciting we'll have Is to keep group? our eye uh out for that yeah they are super busy so it's good to see that they are uh finding work outside of supergirl so that is great well uh morgan i think it's time for us to hop into the legion cruiser gotta buckle up <laughs> before we do I oh see before we do that okay from yes rachel who says um speaking of the legion which sure uh there are <laughs> Speaking of yellow jackets, uh, that there are actually uh, clips out from the uh, Legion animated movie that's coming out soon. So no spoilers. I, I don't. I don't want to watch the clips because I'm going to watch the movie. So well, that's interesting because you're you're more of a spoiler person, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm the wrong audience for like clip like exclusive clips. I'm like eh, I'm going to watch it eventually. I'll see it in. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody comes to me and they're like oh, i've got a juicy spoiler for like the end of the tv show you're watching i'm like girl tell me <laughs> i'll have you like ruin the whole plot line but i'm not gonna watch something i'm gonna watch in a month 
It doesn't like, make sense. <laughs> I'm glad you have a line in this. I the have sand. a line and it's like, ah, I don't need to watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good to know. Well, for me, it's just try not to spoil me if at all possible. But we'll be talking about the Legion of Superheroes uh, animated uh, feature film. It's a feature length film. So I guess uh, we can call it that. So we will definitely be talking about that when it comes out because uh, heavy focus on Supergirl with the Legion. Yay. So that's pretty exciting. All right. Well, I think now we should time travel. Oh, sure. So we got to uh, we got to put the seatbelts on, seat on the, 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 the Legion Cruiser. <laughs> we are going to go back to February 22nd, 2016. Ooh, every time I'm I'm just not prepared for the time travel. I really shouldn't eat uh, before I time travel. It's not <laughs> not a good uh, not a good idea. <laughs> A good idea. Well, here is the official description of truth, justice in the American way. Uh, whether or not uh, you like the Oxford comma, <laughs> whether you put it after justice or not. Uh, but here is the description of truth, justice in the American way. The 14th episode of Supergirl season one. It says, quote, Supergirl does battle with the deadly master jailer played by actor Jeff Branson, who is hunting and executing escaped Fort Ross prisoners. Uh, and let me let, let me let me read that again just to get the uh, the end of the sentence correctly. I I, I feel like I didn't uh, portray that. Correctly. Sure, sure. Hunting and executing escaped Fort Ross prisoners. Also, Cat hires a second assistant, Siobhan Smythe, played by Italia Ricci, who immediately tries to one up Kara, and Kara and James disagree over the DEO's methods. Unquote. Um, so I guess the uh, the big thing here in this episode, uh, we're introduced to a new villain. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on him because he actually played a, a character on The Young and the Restless. Uh, that oh. I loved a lot. Uh, he played Chance, I believe, if I remember correctly. So when he came up on Supergirl, I was like, ah, he's on I another show that I'm watching. <laughs> uh, so that was very exciting for me. And he was great. He was he was good on The Young and the Restless, but he was I thought he was good in this. So I'm curious uh, to hear what your thoughts are, Morgan. So what did you think about Master Jailer? I thought he was very creepy uh, and, he, <laughs> and he surprised me because like in the earlier scene where it's like kind of like the, you know, the, the usual cop show thing where they go in, they like have like, you know, a argument over jurisdiction. It's like, well, we <laughs> had the case first. Well, 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 I don't want your help. And I'm like, eh, you guys need to learn to like work together. Did Collaborate. They not teach you this stuff in kindergarten. Share your toys. <laughs> uh, but so like it's the other cop, his partner who like storms out and he's so mad. And it's this and it's the, the jailer who's like the reasonable one who's like, I'm going to give you like a little hint of what we got here in this folder. He like flashes <laughs> in the folder. <laughs> So, like, I, I I thought that was good in terms of the episode really, like, throwing you off. So you think, oh, that guy's bad and this guy is good. And he's, like, you know, on their team. And then later on, he's like, actually, I'm the villain. It's me. <laughs> I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't they say that sometimes criminals, especially, like, murderers, will, like, go back to the scene of the crime? Yes. And like, that, like... Uh, uh, makes them excited to see like people looking over their crime scene. So I wonder if that was That's his true. weird thing. I, that- I learned all about that by watching 15 seasons of Criminal Minds. No, my I, gosh. 15 I, seasons. 15 seasons. I am a profiler now at this point <laughs> in my journey. Uh, <laughs> so I know all about that. And you are indeed correct. They do say that a lot on that show. And so... <laughs> 
I feel like that's reality and I am sticking to it. So yes. yeah, I think it makes sense. Like, yeah, he's like looking at the, you know, he's looking at the crime scene photos and he's going back to the scene of the crime to investigate. But really mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. I did good job <laughs> murdering. <laughs> he was, he was creepy. Like, and the way that he went from kind of like, you know, sympathetic and charismatic to like suddenly just being like, no, this there's right and there's wrong and there's no in between and we're going to execute people for, you know, for doing for being Fort Ross prisoners. It was really fit, like really abrupt. But I think that he pulled off both sides of that in the episode. He was a he was a scary dude. Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I've obviously seen these episodes before, and I usually, when I did notes for this episode originally, I, I usually would watch them two, three times just to get everything down. And uh, revisiting it, I was shocked that he shot that dude, the other cop, yes. like, uh, just shot him mercilessly, mercilessly just in front of, uh, I think it was in front of Supergirl and, and Alex. And I was like, oh, gosh, that is very violent for uh, uh, the uh, a show that kind of became what it became. Uh, so they really took a lot of these things very seriously. It was very, uh, stakes were very high with these uh, Fort Ross prisoners who were being hunted and executed. And uh, it was very, actually pretty serious uh, what was happening in this episode. There were some funny comedy bits and we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Devil Wears Prada uh, shenanigans <laughs> that were going on at CatCo. Uh, but a lot of the stuff with Master Jailer was pretty, pretty hardcore. So I was actually kind of shocked revisiting that, you know, seven years later. <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, that twist I didn't really see coming. Um, and truly, I had forgotten a lot of this episode. So <laughs> when he shot his partner, I was like, oh, oh, snap. <laughs> I was surprised as if I was seeing it for the first time. <laughs> My memory is bad. <laughs> So what what did you get out of his like his costume, his look? We kind of talked a little bit about his actions and his motivations. Uh, but what what do you think about Master Jailer as a as like a costumed character? I'm curious about your thoughts on that. I yeah, I, I think that they referred to him in the show as like Robocop. Um, and that's exactly kind of the vibe he was giving off. He kind of looked like robotic almost, um, with his face completely covered. It was like, um, like if the guardian outfit was evil. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it does look like the guardian outfit. And didn't have that like little eye thing where James could peer out of, um, uh, I think sort of a kind of almost a night like, um, like a tire like he would be you could kind of see this uh this character like on a horse with like a like jousting uh so it's sort of like if he was a robot knight uh i think this is like the sort of costume so is he a character from the comics i'm he is he is a character from the comics and i meant to uh have that up while (laughs) i was looking at it um he's not uh very well known but he is in the comics i was gonna see where he first uh popped up i should have that somewhere let's see uh if i can pull it up sorry about that i thought i had that information uh listed trying to see because i all i also have all of these uh notes from season one so let me uh let me actually go master jailer dc comics because i found him in the air i had him pulled up on the Arrowverse. But I was trying to remember. Um, his I didn't even. I didn't even. As I was watching it, 
I didn't even occur to me that he was probably like a comic book character until we started talking. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that costume was kind of specific. <laughs> yeah, Master Jailer. Ah, I pulled it up and then I clicked out of it. Uh, is a supervillain who fought Superman and served as a master of checkmate and the Suicide oh. Squad. Master Jailer was created by Martin Pascoe and Kurt Swan, who is a very famous Superman artist. He first appeared in Superman number 331 from 1979. Oh. Um, so actually, I could... I don't know if this will uh, pop up very well if you're... Uh, I'll, I'll link to this in the audio show notes so that people nice. uh, can see it. But I'm going to see if I can pull up this picture on the live stream so that so that you can see it. So this is uh, Master Jailer. And I guess his one of his outfits from 1979. He has like a like a one piece with like a jail cell on it. Like a oh yeah, like a prisoner. That is quite an outfit. Yeah. Why didn't we get this outfit in the episode? <laughs> why why you slap him in a little leotard with some like some jail bars on him? Look at those beautiful gladiator sandals. He is rocking it. He looks like he's gonna win the swimsuit competition. Of- <laughs> Mr. Master Jailer. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit different uh, from what they went with. I guess this one, uh, I'll have to look up where this comic is from, but that's that's a little more akin to how he looks in the, uh, let's see if I can pull, it probably didn't. Oh, no, that's a, uh, I don't know who this is. Oh. Uh, these are different characters from something else. Uh, that Peacemaker, is, uh, I guess. Peacemaker yeah. characters. What, what is that doing in Master Jailer? And then, and then suddenly... Uh, something from Smallville comics. Oh, okay, that's weird. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, Master Jailer does have a little bit of a different look on Supergirl than he did in the comics, but uh, maybe they couldn't go now with the original design. I gotta be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think he should have been running around in that little leotard. He could have still kept the little the helm, the complete helmet on, uh, which would have been a weirder look. But I think it could have worked. I think he could have pulled it off, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, in the chat, Seam Gutierrez says, uh, since Master Jailer comes from a planet that is known for its advanced technology, I was very impressed by the tech he used. Um, he did have uh, things that would come out of his, uh, it looked like sort of sleeves, arms, where he could shoot out uh, like chains to to wrap people up. And then he also had uh, lit up guillotines. I mean, he was guillotining people Those in this gu- episode. He was like the French Revolution. He was like off with their heads. <laughs> uh, he, he had really figured out like a new hip guillotine uh which you know i guess snaps for him uh you know (laughs) advancing technology sometimes people tell you listen something is perfect he says no nothing's ever perfect i can improve (laughs) the guillotine (laughs) and he did it was a fire guillotine what's more fun (laughs) yeah he was uh he was doing a lot of things the only thing that i couldn't get over and i don't know that it was totally explained how did his change wrap up Supergirl to where she couldn't? Get I don't out know of, that. I, that I was unclear I, on. I understood the Red Sun prison at the end. Yeah. I did understand that. Um, but uh, for Supergirl to struggle with the chains, were they Kryptonian chains? Did they have a little kryptonite in them? That I was a little unclear about. Yeah, um, I don't think that they really clarified too much what was going on with the chain situation. I uh, I was. At first, I was questioning, like, well, how did he get the, like, the kryptonite to, or, like, the the krypton to, like, 
mirror the Krypton sun. But then when you learn, find out that he was like a jailer in Fort Roz and he like, you know, presumably was involved with Krypton in some way. I was like, okay, now I can sort of hand wave that. But I, I didn't know how to hand wave the chains. They didn't, never really explained that. Yeah. And you, Rachel asked, what would the chains have been made out of? Uh, the only thing I can sort of hand wave is that maybe maybe they were Kryptonian in nature because his it, I, I would guess that his his uh, master jailer attire was Kryptonian. And so maybe the the Kryptonian aspects of those things caused Kara some problems. So that's that's the only thing that I can think of. Uh, but yeah, so Master Jailer is a connection to Supergirl's past and her mother, uh, Allura in that Allure was an adjudicator who sent a lot of people to Fort Roz. Um, uh, one thing that I started thinking about when I was watching this episode again, uh, Morgan, do you remember uh, the Adventures of Supergirl comic and the character that Sterling Gates created, Facet? Oh, of course I remember Facet. She was a true icon. <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she had a... Uh, she uh, shined like a, bright like a diamond. She did shine bright like a diamond, and she was, a, 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 I think, a Fort Roz... Oh. Uh, jailer, jailer, as well, or, right? Uh, like, um, now I'm gonna have to look her up. I <laughs> thought I had that. Uh, let's see, Facet DC Comics Supergirl. I could probably look it up in my notes. Let's see if, um, oh, mm-hmm. she's not even like coming up in a search. Let me, let me, oh, do this. I probably should have, uh, not searched fa- a facade. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to get, um, her actual description. Uh, let's see. Yeah, she was a former guard of Fort Roz uh, and worked to take down Supergirl. That's not a lot of information. but okay. So I, I just thought it was interesting that um, she looks a little bit like Master Jailer. Not exactly. But, uh, yeah. but, she, but, but she appears in the uh, Adventures of Supergirl comics that um, came out after season one of Supergirl was over. So I thought that was interesting that there was another Fort Roz guard there. <laughs> and she yeah. also had a new Rachel uh, uh, helps helps me remember. I don't know if you'd forgotten this morning, but uh, that she also, too, like Master Jailer, had had kind of a relationship with Allura. Um, and uh, Facet oh. was something akin to her lieutenant. Um, interesting. So, yeah. so that's a. Uh, that's that's cool. I wish uh, I wish maybe we could, in the future we could see Facet. But I, I think. The Master Jailer is sort of what Facet kind of was in Adventure of, of Supergirl, except she she was a little brighter because uh, she, she did have a. Let's, let's be honest, she was a little cooler. Yeah, Facet was a little cooler. She was but, made um, of diamonds. <laughs> 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 yeah, so uh, so I, I was just thinking about that. I mean, that wouldn't have been something that I would been, would have been thinking about when the episode initially aired because Adventures of Supergirl hadn't come out yet. But now that I have that context, it's just interesting that uh, right after the show ended, there was another Fort uh, Roz guard that we were introduced to. So I thought that was interesting. Um, any other thoughts about Master Jailer before we uh, move on? Yeah, I just, uh, he was not a great guy. You should not, he did improve the guillotine and for that we must applaud him uh but he i feel like he had a little bit it was a little bit too much black and white thinking there i don't i don't think you should uh probably not kill everybody master jailer and also 
I, I would have gone with his original costume now. Now that I know what he is, <laughs> now that I know what we could have had. <laughs> it's it's pretty disappointing. It's pretty disappointing. Uh, yeah, he was black and white in the fact that uh, these the, these people were, or people, these aliens were, I mean, I guess, are they are they people too, or are they just aliens? I don't know. Uh, they they are uh, they they were aliens who had committed crimes and who were uh, uh, you know uh, put in a prison in Fort Ross. So they had they were criminals, and they only got out and were free because Fort Ross crashed, and uh, it sounded like every other guard in Fort Ross was kind of beaten to death and killed. <laughs> Ew, so uh uh-oh. so uh so the criminals escaped. So these aliens were criminals. Um so he was he was right to want to uh make sure that they served their sentences. I think that's fair. Uh but the way he went about it was too severe where he was he was executing people and not enacting justice, I think. Yeah, and I liked the way that they sort of um compared that to what Supergirl was sort of going through in the episode and sort of the place she found herself where she was like really angry at Maxwell Lord and was just like, well, we'll just keep him, you know, we'll keep him uh, locked up forever and that's fine. Uh, And James was like, I feel like you can't do that. Uh, Just lock somebody away without due process. And she's like, whatever, I'm Supergirl. Um, But I think this sort of, showed her the dark path that like going down further in that direction takes you to where suddenly you are like he was judge jury and executioner where he was like okay well you did a wrong thing and there's no nuance in like the differences between the sentences of the people who he's just chopping their heads off like he's treating the uh the the little professor guy the same way as he's treating this guy who murdered a bunch of people. So right. I thought that that was, uh, that was sort of an interesting way that those two stories mirrored each other. And they would do that a lot in season one where they would have, you know, the, the villain or some, some other story mirror what Supergirl was going through. And it was, you know, even, even when it was about, you know, master jailer, it was also kind of a car centric story. Cause That's she was so learning in lesson. <laughs> <laughs> could could you imagine? That feels so foreign to me. About Supergirl? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so you bring up a, a good point. And I, I would say that I understand the uh, due process part of it. And I think that's definitely something that they should have been talking about. And that's, why, that's how I initially read this episode uh, back when it first aired. But after re-watching it, everybody was harshing on Kara because she wanted to keep maxwell lord in prison and they were tr- trying to say oh he needs to get out of prison we need to let him go and i was like he experimented on six other girls and they died then he created bizarro yeah and you're just gonna let him go so yeah so i had major issues with that because it in the early parts of the episode Kara is presenting them to like we're just gonna keep him locked away and everyone will be safe and James was like, well, you know, you can't just do that. People have rights. They have well, human rights. And sure. like, you have to give them a fair trial and stuff they like that. They should maybe process. have handled, handed and him then, over to the authorities. Yeah. And then so so at the end, she's like, all right, Maxwell Lord, get out of here. Go about your day. And I was like, wait, wait, Cara, there's a <laughs> middle ground in there. 
Um, you can't just let him run there's free. A, there's a middle ga- ground between uh, just locking somebody without due process and throwing away the key and just letting them go off to party on their on their super train. Because uh, <laughs> he, he loves trains. He loves train. I was going to say yacht, and I was like, not for this guy. <laughs> not for this guy. This guy's got a train. Uh, this guy's got the yacht equivalent of a train. Uh, <laughs> but, and even when he's leaving... Um, he kind of uh, threatens Alex. He's like, why wouldn't I tell people that you guys kidnapped me and like held me against my will? And, and Alex goes, well, if you did that, we would let, uh, you know, we have a lot of like criminal stuff that you've been doing that we'll give to the authorities. And I went, why wouldn't you just give that to the authorities? <laughs> yes, yes. Like, what am I missing? Like, the, <laughs> the point was that you can't hold somebody without due process, not that they should never see any repercussions for their <laughs> actions. <laughs> I was like, did, did everybody get the wrong message? That I you're think they did. To, like, let people go regardless? <laughs> uh, I was, uh, in my mind, uh, I do feel like earlier in the episode, Cara makes the argument rightly that like he's got an army of lawyers and he'll just be out in five minutes but it feels like they didn't need to just give up and be like well you know we've got mountains of evidence against you but we're just gonna let you chill you be good now you be good uh i was like what is happening if you have all this evidence why not just like turn it over to the authorities and get like an arrest and get him arrested. I just didn't understand. I feel like that was where the episode sort of started to wobble for me, where I was like, wait, a, wait a minute. You have evidence. Well, <laughs> if you have evidence, why were you holding him without due process? First of all. And if you have evidence, why are you saying we're not going to, but we're not going to turn it over you and I we're good now. Right. Like, <laughs> No, uh, that doesn't make you a good person to just to have also, like a handshake why, deal with a crazy guy. <laughs> also, why was the DEO holding him anyway? If he killed people, he this this may be something for the legal consultants uh, to chime in on. We'll have to we'll have to uh, maybe uh, get them involved in this and see what they think. But uh, yeah, I just I couldn't get behind that part of it because they should have. Even if he had lawyers who could get him out on bail or something, they would have still had all of that evidence yes. that they could get him put, like, send him to trial. And, you and they probably argue, would have gotten a, convic- a conviction. And you can argue that maybe his lawyers would have gotten him out of everything. Probably. Maybe. He is very rich. and They tend to get out of things. But they also made an uh, uh, like pains in this episode to point out that the power of the press is to be that fifth estate to keep people accountable so like he gets arrested and now suddenly the press is talking about you know all the things he's accused of maybe he's not such a great guy maybe people are now investigating him so maybe it's harder for him even if he does get out to do his next bizarro based scheme like it just seemed like the all or nothing thinking that they were critiquing earlier in the episode they took through to the end of the episode and they're like well we can't keep him that's wrong so we're just gonna let him go and hope for the best for him (laughs) what why (laughs) yeah even if he got off the the charges his his name would be uh uh might hurt his business might hurt his reputation he wouldn't be able to make any more trains because people probably wouldn't no one wants to sponsor that or no one wants to go on a murder train (laughs) 
<laughs> He'd be just sitting there on his train all by himself. No more parties on that train. At least you would hurt his feelings or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> just because you're not always going to like win every battle uh, doesn't mean try it was very strange i was like very i was with the episode until that last scene where she was like well you know we've got all this evidence so you be good now what <laughs> what why give the evidence to the authorities what's wrong with you people <laughs> yeah i i guess maybe it was their way to keep it like keep his mouth shut about the kind but like but, so again this this ends up opening for me like a whole like season one is not the rest of the show can of worms <laughs> because like later on everybody knows the deo like everybody yeah. like you yeah. just like go down to like the local bodega and they're like that deo crazy people <laughs> <laughs> like okay uh like every so in the but in the season one it's like a huge secret no one knows about the deo like it's a plot point l- earlier in the episode that James gives away that he's kind of involved in all of this or that he knows more than he should. And, and Lucy's like, you know about the DEO? You know about the DEO? I never told you what it was called. And James should have been like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I heard about it from my local Starbucks barista who also knows <laughs> what the DEO is. It's not a secret. Um, but, like, the later versions of the show, like, everybody knew what the DEO was. So I guess you could kind of hand wave it as, like, the DEO was secret and then eventually became less secret because they were just like we're out here doing some great work so (laughs) yeah it it was it was crazy to me re-watching that how how kind of they just let him go he had experimented on all like six other girls other than bizarro and one would think that they have like a decent amount of evidence about that Uh, yeah they had all kinds (laughs) of evidence on him about that i would imagine why uh, I it it felt like definitely like an instance of like the show needs Maxwell Lord to be like out and about causing drama, and so the show can't like you know nobody wants to watch the uh, the extended trial of Maxwell Lord. Believe us, we know we experienced it <laughs> later on. It, it isn't great. great. It's not great. I'm gonna be honest. It's not. Lena had a great courtroom outfit, but the courtroom itself not very well done and you know maybe season one they're like listen we can't we don't do courtroom dramas we don't know how that works and by season six they were bold they were like we don't know how it works but we don't care (laughs) (laughs) the uh, unfounded confidence that had happened by season six of the in the writing of those courtroom scenes but yeah that one that one kind of like that one threw me for a loop and i was like i thought that this was a pretty strong episode and then i got to that point and i went oh no now i'm thinking too hard right yeah. like like the 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 joy of supergirl is that it's a fun show but the peril of supergirl is that you don't want your audience thinking too hard about some of these logical inconsistencies <laughs> where you go wait a minute and uh a funny Miss Fiction Fanatic brings up in the chat, it bugged me that James had a problem with Maxwell Lord being held at the DEO, but no one had anything to say about Leslie Willis being held in the DEO with no trial. Oh, yeah. And it, exactly. Like, pointing out that, like, it's not cool to hi- hold people without trials is not is maybe not a thing that they want to do in regards to the DEO, because it seems like they're holding a whole bunch of people without trials like a lot of them are aliens and you could argue about like what are their rights leslie willis wasn't an alien 
but she wasn't an alien. She just had powers. Right. Like, so yeah, where does the where does the line in the sand? I just feel like maybe they didn't want to approach this one. <laughs> <laughs> and Le- Leslie Willis was in uh, DL custody, I think, through season three. I think they let, I think it, uh, eventually she was out and she was like doing her Roseanne thing at the diner. Oh yeah, that's right. But, but when they sort of team her up with, uh, well, no, in season two, I think she was, oh no, she, I take that back. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Leslie Willis like was, no, I can't remember. Somebody remind me in the chat about, um, we can be heroes. I think is the episode where there's oh, like a, was that season three? I think that was season two because I think was she it? came back in season two because that was the introduction of Monel. That was the season that you know, oh. she she kept uh, calling him like a cosplay or something. <laughs> uh, and, oh, I uh, love her because I, I think they're yeah. Livewire died in season three uh, 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 in that episode where they go to Fort Ross to uh, to find Rain. But uh, there's something in uh, season two where there's like another Livewire. But I think Livewire is in custody at the start of that episode, I think. Rachel says, I don't think she was in DEO custody in season two. So She was in a jail of some kind because she mm. she talks to this woman who's like her psychotherapist or something. And she sort of talks about like, if if you didn't have my feet in this water, I would like kill you right now or something. Like she's like <laughs> threatening her. Um, so yeah, yeah. Rachel says she must've been in regular jail. Yeah. I think she was in some kind of prison. So there must've been some kind of due process that there must've been some sort of process that they would, they would, you know, take people through something. It just felt like a weird thing of like, maybe don't highlight this thing. Uh, if you don't want to get into the nitty gritty of how like the DEO works and how they process people or don't process people. It's like, (laughs) it's like how you never really want to think about how all their cells don't seem to have toilets in them, you know? No, you don't you don't want to think just don't talk about it you don't want to think about it you don't think it. you're just like oh she caught the bad guy the bad guy's safely in a jail cell somewhere gonna assume that jail cell has a toilet you don't want to think about the the nitty-gritty <laughs> of it i think that the the problem was that this this episode was like well, let's get into the nitty-gritty it's like but she didn't uh and then you just let maxwell lord go with no repercussions <laughs> he killed uh, a bunch of women uh then experimented potato, on them. <laughs> i do see uh, a comment from aaron's who said it wasn't just the deo he also had Kara's identity which at the time they wanted to protect although Kara, so let's be honest not protecting her identity even in this very episode <laughs> <laughs> She uh, will uh, later not care about that at all because she'll <laughs> out herself on uh, national television. So it uh, didn't seem to matter by the end of this show. Uh, also, Miss Fiction Fanatic says, according to the show, it does count as mur- it does count as murder if it is in pursuit of science. So I guess it doesn't count. And maybe that's what she means. Uh, uh, Miss Fi- Fiction Fanatic. Uh, so if it's in pursuit of science. Uh, it doesn't count. It's it's fine. It's like Lena and her uh, science murdering. I guess it's fine. Human experimentation listen, is fine for them. Listen, to, to be devil's advocate for Lena, as I often am, he, he did sign a waiver. <laughs> he did sign a waiver. A legal document. He was like, okay, if you yeah. kill me, I'm chill. And he signed at, on that line. <laughs> That's so funny. So, you know, it it, it happens. Uh I see CM Gutierrez said in season two, Livewire was kidnapped from prison to use for her powers, I think, by Cadmus. So it does maybe like she was rewind to season two because I remember some of it. It says, uh, and Aaron says, uh, Leslie Willis was in jail uh, until some t- somewhere mid season two, and Supergirl let her go and found her in the diner in season three. So it seems like 
they she was she at least got to regular jail. I'm just saying that they could have turned that evidence uh, with Maxwell Lord. Hey, he's uh, experimenting on on girls in comas and killing them. And he turned, you know, Bizarro, you know, he's human experiments. That seems one he did that whole train thing. That seems too. There's like yeah. a couple of things that I feel like they could get him on. At least start bringing the heat down on him. He also did those tests on Supergirl where things were like those drones are flying around and yeah, he's like her and doing all that like stuff. Putting other like put, putting other people in danger, like trying to destroy buildings to see how much stuff she could lift. <laughs> like, um, but it just feels like they had some stuff on him that they they might have wanted to pursue. Yeah, I think he could probably go to jail for a long time for that. Uh, We should also say that CM Gutierrez 74 says Master Jailer's chains are made of black star alloy. So I guess those are are really uh, strong then. Uh, I don't know what that means, but it must be strong stuff. Um, Okay, so we talked a little bit about uh, Cat Grant. So I was curious about what your thoughts were. Uh, in relation to Master Jailer about Cat Grant's conversation with James, where she talks about her past as a gossip columnist and how she uh, she found out that this actress was being abused by her famous actor boyfriend, and she didn't say anything, and uh, the actress ended up shot in the head. Uh, so I, I was just curious, what wait, what do you think about that with Cat Grant? I thought it was interesting to kind of show like. When we think of Cat Grant, we also often think about her like gossip columny days. But I think it was interesting to show that even even she in that gossip column period had like ethical dilemmas that she had to 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 wrestle with and and things that she you know carries with her and stories that she carries with her that you know she feels like she made mistakes on i think up until now we've seen her be very confident about all of her decisions but i thought that that conversation that she had with james was really great and like the way that he asks her like do you think that if you had done something differently there might have been a different outcome and she's like i think about that all the time and i think that's yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, I feel like that would be a tough thing to kind of have to carry. And I like that they, you know, they gave that moment weight. And I think it sort of, you know, tied into that idea that they were sort of tying in that, like, you know, it what they do at CatCo, whatever it is that is, <laughs> uh, also is important and that, that they could, you know, utilize the press to shine lights on on, um, you know, different issues and which is why it kind of felt weird that they didn't, you know, talk about any idea of like, maybe we can use the power of the press to kind of, you know, bring up some stories about Maxwell Lord or like, even if they if they said at the end, like, okay, well, maybe we don't have enough hard evidence like that would convict him in a court of law. But like, we can start digging around using CatCo. I guess Cara technically wasn't a, she wasn't a reporter at this point, but it feels like it could very well have been like maybe a good James reporting story. Well, um, James in this episode, I think was referred to, Cat uh, referred to him as a photojournalist, as if he was going out and he was going to do some photojournalism. And I was like, any of the, like the art director? What, what are you yeah, doing? He, what, what he, need, he is whatever the story needs him to be. <laughs> Uh, on any particular episode, which is always, which was always the uh, the challenge with James, like you could never get like a good characterization of poor James going because like 
two episodes later, they'll need him to do something completely different. And then he'll be the art director again, or the interim cat co CEO, yes. or something, something weird. Whereas like, I thought this character was a photojournalist and like, Oh yeah. You know, he's such a great photojournalist. He doesn't like take pictures or like report. No, I don't think he actually took a picture. In this but, episode. uh, but he is great. Believe us. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I thought it was nice for that, like, you know, James Olsen photojournalist uh, characterization that, you know, I hoped I had always hoped to get more of in the show. Uh, I thought that was a, like a good conversation that the two of them had about sort of the power of every kind of story. Cause I think, you know, it was easy for her to think, well, you know, they want a puff piece and I can't include this information in there. She like kind of lost with her boss, but probably thought, oh, all right, you know, puff pieces happen all the time and then obviously this tragedy comes out later and she has to ask herself like if i had uncovered this would things have gone different so i i thought that that was really like was well done and unfortunately james doesn't get a lot of like really good meaty stuff with cat uh even though they are both like sort of senior in the company and you think that and, they would and they interact. probably knew each other at the daily planet they probably, so they probably knew have a each history other at the daily planet but um they sort of skirt around a lot that a lot it's you know cat is usually only in scenes with Kara. Um, so I, I liked that cat got a scene with james and they got to sort of talk about journalism i thought that was pretty cool yeah, I liked that insight into Kat's past and and her as a character, and and that probably informs how she runs her business and how she thinks about the news currently at Catco and its various uh, various uh, forms and uh, mediums. Uh, so I I really like that scene with Cat uh, and James. And speaking of Cat, in this episode, she I guess is still reeling from the uh, fallout of Kara and her son. Uh, what is his face? Uh, not a- <laughs> oh, not yeah, that's uh, right. Adam, but the other. No, it was Adam. No, I think it was Adam. Yeah, uh, the other one was. Um, what was the the little kid's name? Why am I blanking on oh, all of these oh, characters? I have names? no idea what his name is. Uh, her her young wh- son. What his name? Who why, had a name? Why was, am I little? He, lo- on- he also loved trains. Wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't, um, mm, I'm it's gonna bother me that I can't Carter. Carter, uh, that's Carter. right. Rachel says this. Oh in the my chat. gosh, I can't take How, it. I can't. Why take... did it take so long for me, for me to get there? <laughs> yes, so Adam and Kara had a little thing and then it didn't work out. And so I think Kat, I don't know if this was your interpretation, Morgan, a cat hiring another assistant to compete with Kara seems like a way to deal with the fallout uh, from her son's failed <laughs> yeah. relationship. Is that, is that how you interpreted that? It, it, it is. Although it is hard to fault cats because yes, this is probably personally motivated. However, Kara is a very bad employee, like <laughs> just sort of on a different level and how bad she is. And like, uh, there are a couple moments in the episode where Siobhan says something like, uh, you know, some, one of us has to do this job. And I was like, <laughs> And I thought to myself, Cutting. I know, I know I'm con- I'm on Kara's side. I know I'm supposed <laughs> to be. But she is making some strong points <laughs> about the fact that Kara is not doing this job. <laughs> but I think this thing with Siobhan, this competition, really motivated her to want to do a good job and want to come to work. But she's still left in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> she did. Um, 
Yeah, it was really funny to me because uh, she's having this fight with Siobhan. Kara is over IM, like some sort of IM chat at, at the office. And uh, <laughs> Siobhan is t- uh, messaging her about her relation, about Kara's relationship with James. And she's getting, Kara's getting so agitated about it. And I, I think Alex calls her, it was either Alex or John, I can't remember, and is like, hey, we need you at the DEO. And she's like, I'm dealing with an, a real serious issue right here. So you can just deal with it. So like Kara was willing to like put aside the alien DEO stuff because she needed to deal with Siobhan and the gossiping that was going on. At I know. And that actually so made me laugh. <laughs> I thought all the Siobhan stuff was really funny. I, I really like the, that actress, Italia Ricci. Um, I can't remember. There was some, I had watched her previously in some, uh, I think it was like a free form show. Um, oh yeah she was in some show where like uh she had cancer or something yeah it was called like chasing life or something like yes i watched that yeah it was uh it was eh, okay it was it was something to have on but i really liked her (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because a lot of the actresses or um actors that were in that show like have gone on to do other things that i've also liked them in so like her best friend is in a lot of things i like and like one of the yellow jackets not yet but i wish (laughs) i hope (laughs) soon uh, soon maybe let's get italia ricci on yellow jackets as well but uh so but i thought that she really had that like sort of snotty assistant like devil Where's Prada, uh, Emily Blunt, second assistant, really down. I thought she was like definitely like she was coming for Kara, and Kara was unprepared because she's used to wandering in at noon and wandering <laughs> out at two, and then coming by for the end of the day to just like have a coffee with with Cat Grant and then leave again. So she was just really not prepared for competition of any kind. Uh, and I thought it was funny to see you know somebody who. Uh, like was dedicated to this job and was like, listen, I've got a whole career plan and it ends with me having monogrammed towels in Target. Well, <laughs> she also said she wanted to be the new Cat Grant. Yeah. Which I thought, given the the ending of this show, I thought was really fitting because Kara yes. becomes the new Cat Grant. So it turns out series. she should have just been ducking out in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> work work uh, smarter, not harder. Exactly. Is, exactly. Is, 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 the, is the phrase. Um, I thought... Uh, Kat was especially personal in this uh, situation because she comes into the office and she's been calling Kara all kinds of names, different names, not not calling her by her <laughs> preferred pronunciation. And she knows how to pronounce Siobhan. Right away. <laughs> and I think Kara uh, notices that. So it did seem like uh, Kat was taking this very personally. That was a moment that made me really laugh hard because we used to have a Siobhan in like my high school class and I was always shocked by how it's spelled. It's oh, yeah, not it's... spelled how you would think. Nope. There's, there's a, a B more, there's a B in there. There's a B, there's an H. You're like, okay. Um meanwhile, Kara is not a hard name. No. It's, four letters and she <laughs> consistently calls her like 10 wrong names. So when uh when she immediately gets Siobhan's name right and Car goes, What? <laughs> like you got that? <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was like, that is like a great moment of comedy, like based off of the characters. Yeah, I th- I thought that was really uh well done in the way they set up Siobhan and the situation around that. So we'll we'll see Siobhan in uh coming episodes. Uh, but she is 
Uh, she's there for a reason. And what I think is really cool, and we'll talk about Silver Banshee later, and we probably should do like a character spotlight on Silver Banshee Ooh, yeah. at some point. Uh, now that we've gone through we Rewind, we'll have to talk about that. But uh, Silver Banshee is in, uh, I believe, the Sterling Gates run. She's also in the New 52 with Supergirl. Uh, or or she, I can't remember if she's in the Peter David run or not, but she has a history with Supergirl in the comics. And so to see her pop up uh, in, um, you could you could debate on whether or not the uh, the Silver Banshee portion of the character looks good in terms of the makeup and the hair and and everything. Uh, <laughs> yes, that you, you could you could you debate sure <laughs> you could debate that, but uh, to to know that the character showed up uh, on the on the series uh, was pretty cool. Uh, back in season one and it's still pretty cool uh now looking back on it to to know that the the history of supergirl with silver banshee um uh, was honored in the first season of the show so i was really excited about that anything else about siobhan or catco before uh moving on just love her just love her chaotic energy (laughs) (laughs) well we'll see more about that uh in later uh episodes um i guess the only thing we really haven't talked about is uh cara's still grieving aunt astra and the fallout of alex murdering her uh to save jean's life and uh there's still some you know still some stuff hanging in the air uh cara's still mad at uh john and still believes that he has killed astra and then they have a funeral for Astra. So oh, what did yeah. you th- uh, Morgan, what did you think about all that uh, Kryptonian uh, family stuff going on in this episode? I thought it was cool to get to know more about Kryptonian culture. So we see a Kryptonian funeral uh, and we find out that the Kryptonians have a two week mourning period uh, that Nan is going to, you know, is going to actually do and honor. Give- yeah honor he's going to honor it he's he's got to get astra you know take her through the dark um so car has got kind of a two-week vacation period where she can just really really, uh uh you know stretch her wings and enjoy before before that blood feud starts before that blood feud starts back up she's like thank god i'm exhausted (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, but i thought that the funeral was really cool i wondered where they got like the pod that they funeraled her away in like what in in Kryptonian lore do they they just sh- put people in pods and then shoot them out into space? That's a good question. Uh, in a Crisis, when Supergirl dies in the comic book version of Crisis, they uh, Superman wraps her up in in her cape and just kind of takes her to space. So there's no mm. pod in that situation. But so like into space is kind of their uh, funeral. In Jam? some in some cases, uh, I'd have to dig back into uh, both Superman and Supergirl to find uh, various funerals. Uh, like very famously, when Superman dies, he is he is put in a a casket under I think under his big Superman statue in the comics. So they they do bury him in that way. Uh, but f- but for Supergirl, there is precedence for being uh, being uh, uh, let go in space. And uh, yeah. and uh, saying goodbye to her that way. I did find it funny, though, that Nan was like, I'm going to take these two weeks. I'm going to say goodbye to Astra. And then after it's over, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, I, that, I that, lo- was, that was like the best villain moment, I thought, for, for Nan so far was like, I'm going to I'm going to take care of this. And then the next funeral is going to be yours. 
Yeah, that was a great line. The next funeral is going to be yours. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> uh, because honestly, to me, at this point in the season, Non's been kind of a non-presence. Uh, <laughs> I don't like, oh, yeah, puns. <laughs> uh, I don't have any particular feelings one way or the other. It's like, oh, Non's coming out of us. I'm like, yawn. Uh, <laughs> When you compare it to Astra, who had so much panache, you know? Yeah, and then, she like, really did. And now, oh, no, Nan's coming after us? Yeah, all right. Um, but in this episode, you know, it was like he was bringing the heat. I was like, okay, if this Nan had been here the whole time, I'd be more threatened by you. Um, but, yeah, I thought that that was, like, a really great line where he was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mourn, I'm going to cry, and then I'm coming and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and, but also, thank you for coming to the funeral. Very lovely. We're going to have Thank you for a, reciting the prayer of the dead for us. Exactly. We, the lunch is uh, at the little Italian place around the corner. We'll see you there. We did get you meatball parm. I hope that's okay. Again, I'm going to murder you. Straight up murder you. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, I see Rachel says in the Legion animated series, when Superman died temporarily, he was put in a casket and shot straight on into the sun, which uh, seems uh, honestly, it seems aggressive. What, wouldn't that help heal him, though? Maybe it did. If he went into Ooh. the sun. Did they, did they think about shooting Astra into the sun? <laughs> <laughs> or Maybe they could have turned this thing around. I'm just sad that they none of them uh, grabbed some grass. I think that would have. <laughs> we were so. She could have saved herself. <laughs> if just... only she knew about the grass. <laughs> uh, what, what does she say? Is it is it touch the grass? I think it's take the grass. Take the grass. That's what it is. <laughs> take the grass. I'm forgetting everything uh, in this episode of Super Hurry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the, it was kind of cool to see the uh, the funeral, the Kryptonian funeral. I, I, I thought maybe they would have, I had sort of misremembered it thinking that Kara spoke crypt, uh, like the Kryptonian language, but she did not hear. She uh, recited the prayer of the dead in English. So yeah, I, I oh, was yeah. kind of surprised by that. I can't remember which episode where they first, because there is some Kryptonian that is spoken at some point in the series, and I can't remember when that starts. So it was neat to see a Kryptonian a funeral and see them uh, say goodbye to Astra one final time. So R.I.P. Astra. Yeah, very, very sad. Um, so Kara's still um, bummed about that. She uh, talks to her uh, AI mother, about everything and uh ai allura is like i cannot tell you anything about myriad i'm actually like freaking out because you're asking me about myriad so they've already set up in this episode um what is to come with the the project myriad and all of that so there is some danger surrounding that and why the allura ai is very uh apprehensive to talk about it so there is uh, some good bit of mystery, I think, that's happening in this episode. So uh, I guess, Morgan, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we uh, end our discussion? Hmm. I don't know. Did we uh, did we cover everything? Oh, I think um, I do want to talk about the James and Lucy conversation. Oh, yes. There is that, that. Yes. That got heated. And it got weird to me because she was like, Oh, oh, so you're close to Supergirl? Like you were close to Superman? I was like, 
What kind of implication is that? How close was he to Superman? I, th- I think her. Pro- I, think her <laughs> I think her problem was that James went out and did things with Superman on all those adventures, and just didn't have time for Lucy. Yeah, I think, I think it's yeah. There was definitely like an implication of like, do you like Supergirl? But it came there right, is that yeah. It came right after like, oh, close like you were with Superman. And I was like, does he just have a thing for like Kryptonians? <laughs> James, <laughs> you're bad. <laughs> my my thing about the James Lucy stuff in this is that it put Carr in a really weird situation because James at the end is like, you know, if I want to take my relationship with Lucy to the next level, I gotta tell her you're Supergirl. So I, I got to have your permission on this. And it's like, why should your relationship hang on the balance and have Kara have to, like, forcing Kara to make that decision? I thought that was a little unfair to her. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation because, like, it is her secret identity. So he can't just, like, go out and tell Lucy, like, hey, it's it's actually our good pal Kara that's Supergirl. Uh, I don't know why that would make her feel better about anything. Oh, well, Kara, that, that, will, that, will come, that, you. that will come <laughs> back in another day? episode. Uh, so I think we'll, we'll get there uh, with the uh, resolution of this situation. But yeah, I, I, I just don't like the situation it puts Kara in. It also made me laugh because I feel like Kara's response, like, we, we're left without Kara uh, saying anything. But I feel like her response is going to be like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's probably you probably shouldn't tell her my identity. But uh, meanwhile, she drops that professor off and he's like, thanks, Supergirl. And she's like, Kara, look me up. (laughs) And then they and then they they exchange like they friend each other on Facebook. (laughs) I I laugh so hard at the it's Kara. I was like, so, you know, he can like probably find you now. Yeah. knows you live here. and. Your name's Kara, so... But I it left because, like, later on, it becomes such a big deal about anybody, like, learning her identity. Like, for years, poor Lena was like, do you have a secret? And Kara's like, what are secrets? <laughs> um, meanwhile, early in season one, she's just kind of swanning into rooms going, like, I'm Alex's sister. It's me, Supergirl. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> saving people. And they're like, thanks, Supergirl. I'm comfortable just calling you that. And she's like, actually, my name's Kara. <laughs> I'm like, Kara, you... You need to calm down. <laughs> I guess she assumes that he's Kryptonian. He won't give her away her secret. Because remember, at this point, aliens are very rare. Nobody yes. talks about the aliens. So maybe nobody he knows just, about like people yeah. barely know about them. It's all very new. <laughs> so maybe he just she wanted him to know that, like, hey, I'm an alien, too. I'm from Krypton. You know, I I. I understand you. I see you. What did they say in Avatar? Like, I see you. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think there's I think there's that to it. But yeah, she's real loosey-goosey about her uh, secret identity in a lot of cases. Oh, I see that there's a comment in the chat uh, from CM Gutierrez before we started recording that said, question, about a third into the episode, Hank mentions that they could be dealing with an interstellar bounty hunter. And then Alex says, you don't think? Do we know who they were talking about? Yes, that is the character of Lobo. And a silhouetted animator mm. uh, answered that in the chat as well. So Lobo is, uh, I think, mostly within the Superman uh, mythology. He is a 
uh, famous, uh, inter as the show mentioned, he is an interstellar bounty hunter. So he goes around trying to catch the criminals for monies. Uh, so he's a, he's a real fun character. He wears uh, kind of rock and roll clothing and wear, uh, rides a mo like a motorcycle and has crazy hair. And uh, so he's, he's a pretty fun character. If you watch uh, Krypton, I think, season two from Sci-Fi? Sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi. Yeah, sci-fi. Uh, sci I, I couldn't remember because isn't there like a website, Sci-Fi Wire? Oh, yeah. I think so I always a... I always get that <laughs> confused. I'm like, wait, what's what's the channel, the network named? Um, but uh, Krypton season two, I believe, had a uh, I think the first first uh, uh, live action portrayal of Ooh. Lobo. And he was pretty authentic. I thought like he looked and acted just like Lobo. So if you want to see Lobo. Oh. Uh, yeah, and Rachel uh, confirms it's Krypton season two. So if you want to see Lobo in the flesh, he's also uh, in uh, the Superman, the animated series quite a bit. Lobo will show up there. Um, so uh, you can find Lobo in other places outside of the comics. But uh, Krypton season two is a pretty good, I think, pretty faithful portrayal of Lobo. So, yeah, and Rachel mentions that uh, you can probably find it on CW Seed. So it, is it on HBO Max? Now I kind of want to know. I don't know. I feel like it should be. I feel like they should have taken it to the max, you know? You know who is also on Krypton is uh, our favorite baker uh, in the DC universe. Uh, Mr. Stosnier is um, <gasps> really also on Krypton. I believe he, I, I didn't finish season two of Krypton, but I, I know it's uh, Krypton is not on. It is HBO not. Max. Yeah. I just looked as well. Shocker. Uh, but I think he plays a uh, doomsday. Oh, uh, so I haven't, I haven't actually uh, finished uh, season two of uh, Krypton, but a great show. It also has its own, uh, different interpretation of the phantom zone. So I highly recommend Krypton for the stuff. I, I just got behind on season two and then never uh, went back to it. So I'll have to find it on the CWC and watch those I've last done, couple of episodes. I've done that with so many different shows. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. So it is a, it's a, it's a quality program. I think it does a good job with Kryptonian culture and uh, uh, Superman mythology and, and things like that. So very cool stuff. Well, um, overall thoughts. Truth, justice in the American way with the Oxford comma. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> what did you think about it? I liked this episode. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty well done. I, I like seeing a uh, kind of a, a like a harder, more jaded version of Supergirl when she's like going through things. I think it shows that she's not perfect. She makes mistakes, and you know she's really mourning uh, Astra, and she's really mad at John. Um, and I I thought that you know the Maxwell Lord stuff. So later in the episode doesn't make sense. But I think that like her learning the lesson that just because she's mad doesn't mean that she can do whatever she wants. And she has to sort of abide by the rules as well uh, by seeing this jailer, you know, redefine the guillotine. Uh, I thought that, that this was a good one. I, I thought that there was a, some really good cat stuff in here and the, the workplace stuff was really fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I, I feel like I'm a broken record on most of these season one episodes, but this one I thought was also very enjoyable. Yeah. This one, this one, uh, uh, aside from the Maxwell Lord stuff, not <laughs> making any sense. Mm -mm. Uh, I think this episode really took some chances in terms of the serious tone. I, I really, uh, liked that it had some stakes The even the stuff when Supergirl is locked up, it's, 
it's like, oh, well, how, how's she going to get out of this one? And Alex comes in, you know, here comes the sun. Uh, you know, that's good stuff. Uh, so I really liked uh, the way that they took this story seriously and they took the tone seriously and some really good fights. Uh, Lexi Alexander, who directed the episode, is um, famous for her stunt work and her ability to choreograph uh, fights. So a lot of the stuff here, um, when we talked to her, Teresa and I interviewed her for Supergirl Radio, and she talked about how when she was brought on to do this episode and invited to direct this episode of Supergirl, they wanted to sort of take Supergirl's fighting uh, level and her fighting abilities to the next level. So she tried uh, new ways for Supergirl to be able to fight. So uh, so I think we we see a little bit in that uh, in those couple of skirmishes with Master Jailer. So I, th- I really liked this episode. A lot of good character stuff, some good comedy bits rolled in there with the serious tone of the, the Master Jailer storyline. So lots of good stuff. So uh, yeah, I think uh, most of season one, Pretty solid stuff. Pretty, I don't have a lot of complaints. I got to be honest. <laughs> I mean, some of the complaints are pretty, uh, you know, uh, valid, I think, yeah. <laughs> for, for the things that we do complain about. But I think for on the whole, I mean, it's a really enjoyable, uh, watchable season of television so far. So we'll we'll see if that trend continues through the rest of a season one. Well, uh, I think, Morgan, maybe we should uh, get to some feedback. Okay. Um, well, we have an email from Daryl who wrote in with some thoughts about truth, justice, Oxford comma, and the American way. <laughs> uh, writing, this episode has one of the best Danvers sisters couch scenes, and I love it. Why do people like Cat Grant so much? She's not a good boss if she wants to pit someone against Kara like that. I feel sorry for Kara having to work for someone like Cat. She's not being a good mentor this episode. Uh, interesting perspective. So, I mean, yeah, Cat is probably not the easiest person to work for i would have to agree with that i love the character though so i don't know i think cat is i think she's partially doing what she's doing to kara to make kara better yeah and to because be she's frank, giving her competition yeah exactly and uh i mean to be honest with Kara's work performance most other people would have fired her by now so <laughs> she's, she's getting a lot more leeway i think than a lot of people would have given her so in some ways cat's a great boss yeah she oh, would have been fired a long time ago you just want to leave in the middle of the day and maybe not come back at all sure i'm gonna hire someone mean to actually do your work uh (laughs) um so daryl says i love the reference to lobo and if you want to see the main man in action watch season two of krypton currently on the cw app i have to guess that Kara does actually work for the deo since she said she'll do a request with hr if she needs time off uh, because of James, Wynn knows that Clark is Superman and Lucy knows about the DEO. Maybe James should get the lecture on being unable to keep secrets instead of Kara. True. Good point. Ah, also, uh, why, how, how wouldn't Lucy find out about the DEO through her father anyway? Yeah, I don't understand how she didn't know about the DEO. She's like working in the military industrial complex. Like, is it is the DEO supposed to be? The thing is, I feel like what we're supposed to take from that is like the DEO is this huge, huge secret. And yet so many people know about it that it does seem (laughs) implausible that like uh, that Lucy wouldn't know. Or do you think Lucy was mad because James knew and wasn't saying Mm, is that more the issue that like she she knew the DEO existed? But James knew and he wasn't saying anything to her. Like he was keeping that. She was like, I know. 
but you know, and you didn't know that I know. <laughs> so I'm mad that you know, and you didn't, and you knew that I didn't know, but I actually, you know, <laughs> like that, like that friend scene when they find out Monica and Chandler together, it's like, you don't know that I know that, you know, <laughs> I think that you're probably right about that. Um, and then Daryl finish up. Uh, finishes up by saying, I have to say that that Supergirl Master Jailer fight was pretty good. 18 years for a first time offender seems quite extreme. Uh, that's so funny that he brought that up. I was, I had meant to talk about it on the podcast and then completely forgot. But yeah, I think we're finding out that Krypton's laws are quite strict uh, because he was a first time offender who didn't have a criminal record and he didn't even successfully deal any drugs and he still got 18 years. It's like, Allura, Maybe uh, maybe we want to look at those penalties. Maybe that's step one in your uh, Krypton justice reform. Well, we are looking at it through our... That is true. You, you human, and I, from our, our human, human American uh, uh, true, true. Uh, culture and legal system here. So maybe Krypton, maybe it, it was a real big problem there. Like it was just maybe. people running amok doing drug deals and stuff. Maybe it was like this huge problem. And maybe Kryptonians lived for much longer. And so maybe 18 years. Oh, that's a good is point. Not, that's is a not good that, point. It's not that big of a deal. Maybe 18 years was kind of like a, a short little blip for a Kryptonian. Yeah. So it was like kind of a slap on the that's a good point. I also thought when he was telling the story, I was like, oh, so he went full Breaking Bad. Uh, and then <laughs> and then he was like, and I didn't even manage to do one drug deal. And I was like, so not exactly full Walter White then. <laughs> Much worse at it. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, because we don't know how long Kryptonians live, but presumably they might live much longer than us i mean we we were i think we're just looking at it from our, our we're looking at it from our human perspective and we're, maybe yeah. we're judging allura too harshly based on <laughs> human laws because she, i thought the same thing i was like allura girl <laughs> I, I would like to believe that allura was fair I, I think judgments. so. I, I like i like your perspective more i'm gonna go with it uh and then we have a couple of comments in the chat uh, Aaron says, I think uh, Kyler Lee in the 100th episode party said that one of her favorite lines was this here comes the sun line, which is it's, very it's good. good. It comes it's at the really right moment, one. too. And then a uh, final question from Sim Gutierrez, who asks, at this point, do you think Kat still suspects that Kara is Supergirl? Was getting Siobhan to free up Kara to do superhero duties on the down low? I 100 percent. I, that that's what I thought the same thing, actually, as I was watching the episode and she made a couple of cracks about how like Cara never shows up or does anything. And I was like, oh, I think she still knows. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, I I've I've thought she knows uh, since like episode three. But uh, but I, I think that is definitely a read that you could go with. I feel like you, it's if you wanted to. I feel like it's a very Cat Grant thing to try to help you out by hiring you the meanest assistant possible. <laughs> like, she's like, I'm going to help you. I know that you really need help doing your work and your Supergirl work, but that doesn't mean it should be easy for you. Like, your assistant who's going to help you out is going to be mean and competitive, <laughs> just like me. <laughs> like, and ambitious. Like and ambitious. I feel like Kat was like, I see a little of myself in her, only she seems a little bit more evil. And honestly, that's what you get for breaking up with my son. <laughs> <laughs> Real petty stuff. Yeah, I uh, love it. But I think it's going to help Car grow. It's going to make her a better, um, a better employee, better person. And maybe a better Supergirl. I think it's really going to benefit her, fit her in the long run. To <laughs> she's going to grow. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think uh, uh, having to compete with somebody who's going to become a villain later, I think, is uh, going to be great. 
I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that weird makeup again. (laughs) (laughs) You might not have to wait too, too long. All right. So I guess uh, that's uh, taken us to to maybe needing to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All these snap judgments, uh, well, there's two, uh, they're kind of Siobhan heavy. So I just wanted to put that out there. And if people have uh, snap judgments they'd like us to make in the chat, feel free to uh, drop them in there. Uh, So the first snap judgment is better villain, Master Jailer or Siobhan's, was it Smythe? Smythe, yes. Smythe. Uh, See, this is tough because both of them gave Kara a lot of trouble in the episode. Um. I mean, I guess Master Jailer. He did kill a bunch of people and imprison Supergirl. So I, I would have to say Master Jailer, but Siobhan was really showing showing some villain tendencies, I think. Siobhan is going to hurt your feelings. She's going to cut you deep, deep to the bone. She's going to gossip about your your, your crush. She's going to gossip about your office crush and get you in trouble with your boss. And that is nefarious. However... <laughs> Master Jailer did innovate on the guillotine. <laughs> and, and for that, for seeing something already very functionally uh, appropriate and saying, I can do it better. <laughs> I have to give it to the Master Jailer. Don't always be complacent. Don't always be happy with the way Always looking are. to improve. Always looking to improve. Exactly. <laughs> we can learn we can learn from Master Jailer and his <laughs> and his thought process of what if it was also on fire. <laughs> no one had thought about it before. No one had. He was an innovator. Uh, <laughs> uh, second snap judgment. Who would you prefer as your assistant? Siobhan, assistant number one, or Kara, assistant number two? I think I would, honestly, I would, I would pick a Siobhan. Oh, she's she was, getting, so she much was getting it done. She found Kat's glasses when she was looking for them, and she knew her lunch order, her coffee order. She had, didn't she like do the coffee, uh, like ground the coffee like by hand or something? She she was pretty good. She had it together. She went out to like the aisles of Costa Rica to <laughs> specifically <laughs> get the coffee. Yeah, I really want to say Cara because I think that she's like a f- more fun hang. But Siobhan, <laughs> she's ambitious. She's going to be really nice to you if you're the boss, even though she probably hates you and would kill you if she had the chance. But she's going to always get your coffee order right. And then also you're going to tell her, hey, could you do this thing? And you're going to turn around and she's going to be doing it. And if you ask Kara, hey, could you do this thing? She'll say yes. And then you're going to turn around and she's going to be gone. <laughs> and then you're doing it. So I feel like Siobhan <laughs> is just kind of a better assistant. Or I guess we could look at it this way. Like Siobhan did have ambitious goals and dreams. So she's probably not going to stay your assistant for long term. No, that's true. That's true. She's so going to get in and get out. Over. Yeah. So so if you get sick of her, she's she's on her way up. She's climbing the corporate ladder. <laughs> That's true. If you wanted to get rid of her, you probably wouldn't have to wait too long. So. And then I think we do have like a version of a snap judgment in in the uh, in the chat, which is uh, Master Jailer's comic outfit, boardroom or ballroom, which oh. I'm going to tweak a little bit. Okay. Do you? Uh, the snap judgment is. His Supergirl TV show outfit or his comic outfit. Okay, so let's do some uh, boardroom or ballroom. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? 
Okay. Should we do both? Should we do the Supergirl TV series version and then? Yes. Or should we say which one we prefer and compare both of them? Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should critique the outfits and then we should pick a winner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, sh- I don't know if I still have the, uh, do you still have that image? Oh, it's, the- in, it's, it's burnt in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so his comic book outfit, it's like a, it's a leotard. There are stripes on it. So he looks like, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to just say it. I know I shouldn't. He looks like a sexy hamburglar. <laughs> and he is bringing it. He's got gladiator shoes on. You remember that time in our lives when gladiator sh- sandals came back real oh, hard? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. everybody looked like Russell Crowe in that movie. <laughs> He's like that all the time. Uh, so, I, I mean, listen, it's beautiful. What he has going on is incredible. Chef's kiss, chef's kiss all <laughs> over chef's kisses. Now, the the outfit in the in the show... Not as not as exciting. Not as exciting. He looks kind of like a combo of, like I mentioned earlier, like Robocop and like a knight. So like he would joust and then maybe clean up the city streets of like a post-apocalyptic like hellscape. Um, (laughs) But, you know, but he's not bringing me fashion. He's not bringing me drama. Right. Like everything's (laughs) so gray. Everything's so gray. Like it'll pop a splash of color to that. Uh, Even Guardian, you know, when uh, when we got Kelly Olsen Guardian, she was like, bring me that gold. Bring me that drama. Everything is gold. Everything will be gold. And I was like, (laughs) yes, girl. Yes. You take your crown. You put on your head. It's a helmet now. Uh, (laughs) For him, he's more of a like a more of a subdued look. He's like he's taking care of business. He doesn't want anyone to see his face. It's functional. But is it fashion? I don't know. Well. We should add that he could uh, dematerialize his helmet to reveal his face if he wanted to. And he had those things, the chains would shoot out. Yes. Both very cool. Both very cool. He has a lot of gi- gadgets. He's got a yeah. lot of giz- gizmos. Yes. But does he have the drama of comic book <laughs> master jailer? I would argue no. I would argue that sexy Hamburglar <laughs> much better. <laughs> So is the snap judgment? So do we now like the show version or the comic version? Is that yeah? I think judgment? which is the superior version of the outfit, the comic or the show? <laughs> <laughs> We've broken down both. I think the show version. He's going to get on a horse and he's going to joust for your hand in in marriage. That, sound, that actually sounds great. It's pretty dashing. The uh, <laughs> the, sh- the the comic book version. He's going to win the swimsuit contest, though. <laughs> he's going to go. He's going to take that home. The, uh, the other contestants, are they wearing gladiator shoes? I don't think they are. He's going to get that scholarship. He's going to get pageant. that scholarship. He's going to learn the little queen wave. He's going to solve world hand. peace. He is going to solve world peace. <laughs> he, has a, he has a favorite day. <laughs> I'm sure. It's, I, I feel like it's like the miscongeniality version of uh, Master Jailer. <laughs> Is I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to already pick mine. You know what it is. It's the comic book version. It's the comic book version. I would have been disappointed if it wasn't. I think I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go the show. I like the night look. I think he's scary. He does have a little bit of color. It's just, you know, blacks and grays mostly. But he's got, you know, some mix. Uh, And I like the gizmos and the gadgets. And so I think uh, that makes him a good villain. Uh, I, I don't think... 
that the uh, the comic book version is very threatening. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, it's not. It's not. If I saw that guy coming at me, he's like, "Uh, oh, time for justice." I'd be like, "To brunch? Are we going to the beach?" Or <laughs> I, think, I think the uh, the comic book version is too friendly. You're gonna want to hang out with that guy. Uh, you're not gonna want to hang out with this one. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that was an unexpected, <laughs> great boardroom or ballroom. And this has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. I wish I had prepared uh, overlays to compare them. That really <laughs> should have been something I did. Maybe I'll have to do that in post. And, <laughs> and in post. <laughs> get some stuff in post to, to compare the two looks visually, because I think you really have to see them uh, side by side. Side, side by side to really <laughs> understand. <laughs> Well, I suppose that uh, we should get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dc tv podcast also has a t public store so if you are in need of new dc tv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page now see here supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you want to listen to other shows we've got the flash podcast legends of tomorrow podcast the lituation room dc on hbo max podcast star girl podcast superman and lois radio green lantern podcast the sandman podcast dc tv after dark and justice league dark podcast so i actually forgot to do an overlay for the t public store because oh, no. I was in a rush this week. Uh, so we don't have anything specific we would like to tease for the Tea Public store. But you know what? Since we talked about Truth, Justice, and the American Way this week, we have just some designs <laughs> <laughs> in the DC TV podcast Tea Public store we'd like to suggest. Just you, all of them. Do you like just Supergirl? We- She's in there. Do you like Alex Danvers? Gonna assume. Do you like Martian Manhunter? <laughs> Definitely represent it. <laughs> We've got Lena Luther. Lena Luther. We, we all got know you, you guys love her. Twitter room or ballroom. They're all in there. They're all in there. Just go to the DC TV podcast public store. A hard thing to say. Co- correct though. And uh, and check it out. We also have some Supergirl Radio specific designs. We've got like you can a get game, some game night, night shirts. I've got uh, my game night shirt. I'm ready for the next game well, night. We, we need to schedule a game <laughs> night. <laughs> we need to figure out what game we're playing, and then we need to schedule a game night. Um, you you mentioned uh, that someone was a solid hang. I can't remember uh, in this episode who you were talking about. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was Siobhan or something, but uh, I've been uh, going through the last 100 episodes to prepare for the big one, the big <laughs> 400 episode. <laughs> well, in the last game night, in the uh, March Madness game night that mm-hmm. we had. Uh, a lot of the arguments for who would win in a fight <laughs> was, was they were a solid hang. Yeah, yeah. 
incredible. I mean, it all comes down to me. Like, do, do I want to play a board game with this person? Uh, not, not, you know, what are their powers or, you know, what, what, who would they win in a fight? It's like, yeah, but I don't, I don't know that they're going to like help me win Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so f- working on the 400th episode. Uh, so there's some uh, game night stuff in there. So we got a lot of stuff in the T public store. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to work on some new designs. We still uh, we workshop some uh, witch for a summer excl- exclamation point stuff for oh, yeah. Luther, but we haven't really uh, settled on a, a choice for that. So maybe maybe we'll have to get back to uh, Lena Luther witch for <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> designs. Uh, but we've got some good stuff in the T Public Store, and it's not just uh, Supergirl stuff in the DC TV podcast T Public Store. There's Flash, Arrow, uh, Black Lightning, Batwoman stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. So if you like the Arrowverse. We've tried to curate a store just for you. We would also like to thank our legion of super sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Anne, Marie, Yvonne, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Miriam, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Tara, and Majuba. So uh, thank you all for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon account. We have uh, currently four uh, monthly levels that you can uh, check out if you would like at patreon.com slash supergirlradio. So we really appreciate everybody's uh, support. Uh, as far as me, you can find me in several places if you want to keep up with me. I'm on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I also have a YouTube channel that you can find at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod where I will be live streaming on Sunday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern and reading through Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews written by the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. I know everybody's like, haven't you finished that project? And I'll be like, I'm close. I'm close. Uh, But I've been doing it for I don't know how long. Has it been two years? I'm not quite sure. But it's been quite a long time. But I'm still going through those, still learning a lot. And uh, so if you want to come hang out and uh, talk about art criticism and film, uh, you can join me on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we've got some fun stuff coming up, including uh, a discussion about the truly unhinged horror movie Megan with a free as the E. Uh, And and how is it maybe the first Gen Z horror classic? We're going to discuss that. Oh, Um, We're also going to talk about the Teen Wolf movie from the perspective of people who have of uh, somebody who's finished the show, somebody who's watched most of the show, and somebody who's not watched any of the show. So that's going to be a fun and confusing time for all of us. Has Amy not watched the show? Amy has not watched Isn't she Team Werewolf? She is Team Werewolf. And uh, Kat and I have watched the show. And uh, both, both Team Mermaid. Both Team Mermaid. So does it make sense? I don't know. It's for you to decide. Uh, and then as a reminder, um, Mike and I were recently on uh, the latest episode of Gay Gals Watch, where we talked about trashy TV, uh, including uh, Love is Blind. And then what I don't consider trashy TV, but more just reality TV, which is The Great British Bake Off, which went just wild this season with their weird theme weeks and whether or not uh, it it got heated on the podcast about um, their definition of a s'more. And uh, we thought they were wrong. Mike thought they were fine. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) it was contentious. Uh, Mm. So if you want to listen to that, head over to gay gals, watch it's the latest episode. We do apologize that it is two hours. It didn't need to be. It shouldn't have been. 
but it is. <laughs> there was a lot to say about Love is Blind season three. So much. <laughs> uh, I think I think Morgan probably now regrets like encouraging me to I was you like, know, just telling me about in. it and watching it. <laughs> and then I had a lot of thoughts about Zeneb. Uh just so there many thoughts. A lot I don't going think people on in that give season. her a hard enough time. It's probably she was also it's, at fault in that relationship. It's probably too. fair. I was probably too focused on uh, how annoyed I was at Cole and didn't didn't save enough of my ire for her as well. Ugh. Nobody on that season was. Um, None of them should have gotten married. I think no, it, no nobody should have gotten married. But, uh, <laughs> that show really technically should not exist. I don't think no, it's but helpful. God in any way. love it. God love it. <laughs> Anybody, anybody who wants to go on that show, they should just get free therapy instead, probably, and like we have a Tinder account, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but you know what? I'm gonna watch every season that they put out. Have you watched any of the foreign spinoffs? No, and I haven't seen I... Love Is Blind season two either. Okay, so you gotta watch season two. But also, I highly <laughs> recommend Love Is Blind Japan. Oh my uh, gosh, we uh, Mike and I like went through the whole thing we got very invested they spend a lot longer in the pods in the japanese version so you really get to see the drama of how many different people they're talking to and you're like who are they gonna pick it's also a mess though (laughs) (laughs) i would expect nothing less (laughs) oh my gosh what a disaster season three i've heard season two is worse though season there one season where like all of them get divorced I don't want to give anything away. But... Okay, no spoilers. <laughs> that's, that's the thing about Love is Blind is that it's not really like a... There is some... Su- I guess there is some suspense when they get there is. to the altar. Yeah, you're just like... like are they, you're like, what are they, they going to do? That's why, that's why... And I feel like Netflix is genius for this. You do kind of have to watch it when it drops because like, if you're kind of online, sometimes you'll see like stories pop up about like oh these people are still together or these people broke up or whatever and then you're like ah crap now I know for the season but if you're watching it when it first drops before they can say anything about their personal lives on Instagram you're like what is gonna happen is she gonna run out is she gonna fall down a a, you know a ditch or something in her wedding dress I wish happened. that happened in the first season. <laughs> oh, oh. One of the one of the girls like ran out in, in season after, one. Somebody said, I think somebody said no to her. I, I don't think she said no. I think they said no. And she runs out and she's so mad. And then she like falls down. Oh, in I don't her wedding remember dress. that. Brutal. Do you, brutal. Do you, remember, you don't remember who it was? It was the blonde girl. I just remember Jessica. Oh my God, Jessica. She yes. was just the worst. But at one, the season one villains were. <laughs> <laughs> so good <laughs> oh my gosh uh love is blind uh you can watch it on netflix if you're interested uh but just be prepared it's, it's a disaster it's not great but i love it so much <laughs> <laughs> i almost regret watching that first season because now i'm like well i gotta now you're locked in now, <laughs> now i gotta keep watching this to see how this they're always like is the experiment working is love really blind i'm like no apparently this is, not this is a terrible <laughs> experiment this is not a good uh use of your time you should stop doing this I hope they never stop doing it. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, as long as there are Instagram influencers, there will always be love is blind. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a crazy show. Um, okay. Well, I guess uh, that's going to do it for uh, love is blind radio. <laughs> sure. Uh, but until next time, I'm I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And thanks for joining us for Supergirl Radio Rewind. <laughs>
McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.